we look for players who are really going to be an impact on the field, great attitudes, you know, work hard, align with the academics and, you know, the athletic expectations, and then, you know, be able to fulfill that once they're here. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining the Admission Guys podcast, where it's our goal to help you navigate the college search process. Today's guest is Bucknell University women's lacrosse head coach, Jackie Dando. We decided to ask Coach Dando to join us today because she is truly a great coach and has been a part of some top-notch programs throughout her career so far. Building off of our last episode, EJ and I wanted to continue the theme of navigating the college athletics process, and Coach Dando offers some great insight for the path that student athletes should be on if they want to pursue athletics at the collegiate level. Some of the things we talk about in today's episode include what characteristics are coaches looking at when recruiting athletes, the level of commitment it takes to play at the collegiate level, the importance of academics, and many more things as well. This episode was so impactful that we decided to split it up into two parts, so be sure to look for part two of our conversation when our next episode drops in two weeks. And if this episode was impactful for you, we just ask that you'll share it with someone who may be navigating the college athletics process so that we can help them with their path. All right, here's our conversation with Bucknell University's coach, Jackie Dando. So today on our podcast, we have Coach Jackie Dando from Bucknell University. Jackie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So we're going to start out. We have some questions for you today. So our first question, could you tell us about your athletic journey and how you got to where you are today? Uh, Sure, EJ. Thanks for having me, you guys. Good to see you. I grew up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and I've actually stayed in Pennsylvania for uh, most of my coaching career, was involved in sports, um, just like a lot of students growing up. I played field hockey my freshman year in college, and then I played lacrosse all four years. And I went to Messiah College and just loved my student-athlete experience, got to double major, meet a lot of great coaches and teammates. And then after college, I started working in marketing, and then I also started coaching part-time. And the part-time job kind of needed to decide if I was going to go more the business route or more of the coaching route. And I just remember after a game, I thought, you know, I can't. I don't want to give this up. And so um, went full-time coaching at Haverford College and then um, Villanova. And then I became the head coach at Lebanon Valley College when I was with you guys. And then just last year in January 2020, I moved to Bucknell University for women's lacrosse. What a journey. And we have, we've had the honor and privilege of working with you over the years. One of our, our most favorite athletic liaisons from the admissions office. So great. So I kind of know a little bit about that. What types of students are you looking for when you recruit athletes? I didn't know if things like character, grades, family went into it. Yeah, definitely. I think every coach is a little bit different. And it also just depends where your, you know, your coaching values, but I think also your institution's values. I've been at pretty high academic schools, so I think that's been really great to be able to have a student athlete that really cares about um, their major and their path after college, um, but also be serious about um, their lacrosse career. So I think you have to really see what the university program um, or the university values are, but then also what the program values are. So myself as a coach, I really value players that work hard, that are great team players, that really want to focus on the team over themselves, that are accountable to themselves and each other, and have a high level of commitment. So I want players who are high achieving, they can handle the academic load, but they also want to be able to you know, make a change to a competitive program. 
um, for myself right now. Sometimes that means some of the social things um, need to go down the list a little bit of priorities uh, for some of our student athletes. But I think dependent on that school and the expectations of the coaches kind of drives the decisions of the recruiting. Um, but for myself, I really look for someone who works hard, who's competitive, who's coachable, has a great attitude. And, you know, I really look for potential on the field, seeing someone who can grow into um, a great player and a great leader too. Um, and then just kind of aligning with what the profile is of the institution. So um, for instance, at Bucknell and other schools I've been at, we look for AP classes or advanced classes in high school. So that's something I look for just to make sure that they can handle the rigor once they get to college. That's awesome. I guess I, I was going to uh, ask a follow-up question about in this day and age, do you think students can just bank on getting to like getting recruited to play in college without having good grades? Is that still a thing anymore? So there's definitely support through admissions um, with athletic scholarshiping and slotting and things like that, especially at the division one level in particular division one level, you know, not as much at the division three level. It's really solely on their own academic profile, their support, but there is still an expectation that they are performing in the classroom and meeting the needs of the university. So there are plenty of players that, you know, we certainly haven't been able to support through the admissions process at a school like Bucknell in the Patriot League, just because we do have an academic index. And so, you know, that's a little bit different than some other institutions. There's a ton of colleges out there, division one, two, and three. Um, and then, you know, some other, you know, areas too, that aren't NCAA like NAIA. Um, so there's a lot of options out there for students, but um, being able to achieve your best marks in the classroom really gives you the opportunity to have more doors open for you. You know, you don't want to get, you know, an interest email from a coach and then not be able to meet the requirements of their school. So everyone finds the fit that works for them. But, you know, it really helps to perform as well as you can in the classroom and then um, on testing as well. Jackie, if I was a student athlete, when should I start the process? When when how do I get recruited? When do I start looking to get recruited? So do I do that when I'm a senior, when I'm a junior earlier on? Yeah, I think every sport is a little bit different with their timeline. So women's and men's lacrosse in particular, a couple of years ago, we were actually um, at the Division One level, eighth and ninth graders were being recruited and committing verbally to schools. Now, you really can't sign an NLI, so a Division I NLI, National Letter of Intent, or a Division II one until with a scholarship um, until your senior year in the fall or spring, winter, spring. So um, nothing is really settled until it's signed. So that's why you'll see sports like, you know, basketball and football making those decisions later in their high school careers. But women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse was so accelerated that these early decisions were happening and then they weren't able to pan out. Um, and things, a lot of things would change in those four years by the time they got to signing day or they got to their freshman year of college. So a great recruiting timeline was put in by um, the men's and women's lacrosse associations um, with the NCAA. And so now there is a contact date. So um, September 1st of their junior year, they can actually, we can actually contact them for the first time. So it went from in like eighth, ninth grade contact to September 1st of their junior year. So from there, a lot more of like just a streamlined process. So I would say junior year, September 1st, uh, I know like for soccers, it's June 15th of their sophomore year going into their junior year. So it's a really big focus in between your sophomore year and the end of your junior year, I would say. So sophomore year play is important. And then junior year, um, it's really important that you're able to visit campuses and, you know, try to get to see some of those coaches that have either reached out or that you're interested in. 
Um, and then for all divisions, there's there's different timelines. Again, I would say sophomore and junior year are the most important. Freshman year is still about development. Like it'll they'll watch freshman year, but you know, at least in our sport, we've really just watched that year before. So we can't really go to the next class until this one's finished. And that's kind of what that rule has allowed us to do. So for our sport, we'll watch sophomores and then we'll talk to them their beginning of their junior year. And then we'll continue watching that fall if needed. And then usually that next summer, we'll move on. We'll have our class by then, by the end of our third junior year. And then we'll move on to the following class, the next sophomores, early look at them again that following summer. So I would say like usually if you in our sport, at least if you don't have, you know, an offer or an opportunity division one by like early summer after your junior year going into senior year, that's a lot of opportunities you know, have been decided by then for division one rosters, but also still opportunities there for division two and division three opportunities. But there's a lot of division three schools that keep their process pretty similar now to um, the division one process. Basically, it kind of shakes out after teams decide, players decide what they're doing after September 1st. And then like winter, spring, summer, fall is the time for that next group uh, for division two and three. So usually two and three wait to see what happens with the division ones. They can contact earlier, but you have to kind of see who shakes out basically first. So a lot of division threes though are done by, you know, winter of a player senior year. You know, they're not waiting to pick them up in the spring of senior year. You know, they have a little bit longer of a process, but um, that's kind of how that goes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like uh, Division One always starts relatively earlier than the rest of the the ones. And if you don't, like, I like when you said that if you don't know by your what, like junior year going into yeah. your senior year, yeah. I mean that ship's kind of sailed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that there's is- always there's always opportunities, but it's like the opportunity isn't as great anymore. It's just a tougher situation. You know, it might be a walk on situation. It might be a tryout situation. It's a little bit different by then. Yeah, definitely. So. With all that being said, kind of like because the college selection process in general is so difficult and sometimes stressful, uh, and especially for the students, but with the parents as well, too. So what advice would you offer parents during the college recruitment process? Yeah, I would say be patient. You know, don't worry Mm -hmm. about what anyone else is doing. Um, Don't worry about what the last year's class committed to or did or how many recruits they had that went to Division One. I would just say every student's going to find the best fit for them. And if for some reason it's not the best fit, you can always look at other schools, you know, you can always transfer if it's, you know, that situation, but the parents want to be able to help the student get to a spot where they feel comfortable and not for the parent's journey, but for really good fit for the son or daughter, um, you know, to let them be themselves. Um, I would say like, talk to club coaches. They've been through it with other classes, talk to high school coaches, um, talk to other parents who've been through it, but still remember like, their own best. Try to find resources with athletics, but also outside of athletics to learn about the university to see if it aligns with you know their family and the growth of their son or daughter. And then I would say other than that, just you know instead of just focusing on the showcasing piece of it, really focus on the development. And so especially in middle school, we would always see you know teams worried about playing and, you know, just playing, playing, playing. And they were playing so much that they weren't really developing, you know, maybe they were working on game strategy, but they weren't developing the, developing the skills and kind of the smaller techniques that they need to be able to continue to be successful. So I would just say like, be patient, trust the process, know that like once until you get to high school, you really just need to focus on keep developing. Jackie, I, w- I want my, my own children to get division one scholarships. I'm lying to you, but let's pretend mm-hmm. I do. So how do I go about doing that? How do they go about getting that division one scholarship? And is there anything wrong if they just played division two or division three? 
Yeah. I mean, definitely not. Like I said, the fit is important for everyone. I played um, division three, of course. Uh, my sister played division one first on a scholarship, then transferred to division three. So, you know, everyone finds the journey that works for them. Um, but I think, you know, in learning about scholarship, every school is funded with scholarships differently and every sport can also be funded differently. So, um, you know, even here at Bucknell, not every sport has scholarships. And so I think that's different because, you know, you might assume, oh, this one's for a scholarship. So everyone does, but there's a lot of other considerations at the university in terms of funding, in terms of Title IX, in terms of equity and things like that. So I think there's different opportunities, but like really learning how the program's funded, it doesn't always mean it's fully funded. For women's lacrosse, fully funded means 12 full scholarships. So if they say it's fully funded, now, if you look at a lacrosse team, you know, right now I said I have 42, you know, it's not possible for everyone to be on a full scholarship. That would only be 12 scholarships, 12 people. So every coach is able to adjust those scholarships differently, depending on the institution. And every sport has a different number of scholarships. Um, if it's a headcount sport, um, they're usually on full scholarships. So that's a little bit different. So just kind of learning that process, the ins and outs, usually, you know, a scholarship player is an impact player. Every school also deals with like the integrity of scholarships differently, especially where I am now. They really try to respect the scholarship, even if it was given by a different coach, which is, you know, important and respectful. I think, you know, when I played division three, I was on an academic scholarship. So there's a lot of different options and that's a little bit more set as long as you keep your, your grades up, um, where, you know, obviously my sister left a school and, you know, obviously that scholarship didn't remain. So um, you know, that was based on her lacrosse career there. So it is double-edged sword a little bit there, but I do think um, it's also different how every school can stack scholarships. Some are able to do financial aid and merit with athletic. Some are able to do academic and athletic. Um, so just kind of learning those nuances and what you might qualify is important too. So, you know, I might qualify at one institution for academic aid, but at another institution, I don't. And same thing for financial aid. There can be ins and outs of that. And that usually happens later in the process. But understanding if there's an opportunity there, you know, how to earn a scholarship and then, you know, to keep going forward. You know, that offer is usually has a timeline with it, too, to make a decision. Um, so usually I give the student athletes that we decide to make an offer to, you know, about two weeks max in kind of COVID days when they weren't able to visit and they were kind of making decisions faster. So it's definitely a process, but we look for players who are really going to be an impact on the field great attitudes, you know, work hard align with the academics and, you know, the athletic expectations, and then, you know, be able to fulfill that once they're here. 